0: Mike, why don't you come on up? Let me invite Mike up here to to share the message with us this morning. Uh, so, Mike is a friend who has—I um, sh- I shouldn't stand there. There's like a big black box there on the screen. So, uh, Mike is a friend who we got to know each other. Um, I don't know, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, he's been here preaching a handful of times. Um, He—he's a, a, a friend. He—he is—he um, runs a, a, a podcast and. A bunch of other content called "Limping for Jesus." Um, I have, a, you know, when, when Mike and I first met, uh, and some of you have heard me say this before, but I felt like there was just a, a clear kindred spirit. We're roughly the same age, um, and as we were talking, you know, there was this uh, this place of of like, um, you know, theological um, alignment in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, I think we might have even talked about the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven yeah, passage uh, that, yeah. when, when we first when we first chatted. Um, so anyway, I'm glad to have Mike here with us. Uh, this morning, and uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be blessed. But let me pray for you, and then turn it over to you. Lord, thank you so much for Mike and this uh, this friendship that you have cultivated. We pray that you would anoint his lips, that he would proclaim your word as he encourages us in these these the, this example, Jesus, that you gave of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and uh, where we might find ourselves in the story. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through his words as he unpacks your word. Uh, we pray for him in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, since my
1: sermon is not super long today, I want to make two plugs. Uh, if you want to hear my story of the last couple of years of finding God in brokenness, even as a pastor, I want you to encourage to go look up a podcast called "The Broken Vessels Podcast," where I was interviewed this week about being a pastor who's been walking with the Lord for 23 years, was born with cerebral palsy, uh, and all the, the theological missteps people made with that diagnosis. I got saved, and then uh, my family members took me to fake healers to try to get me to heal. People think all kind of bad things about disability. And then... Several years ago, as a pastor, I went through the desert of divorce, and that is a heartbreaking experience, and if you have gone through that, you know you can be made to feel broken on top of brokenness, even in the Christian church, to go through something like that as a leader. The things, people, in, in your own heart, there's worship songs we sang today. I can tell you that after that event, I have a storm in me that says, you're too broken to be served by God, to serve God, to love God, to even want to come to church. But that's not true, guys. And today we are going to see two type of worshippers in Luke 18, starting with verse 9. We're going to look at the parable of the Pharisee and task collector. And we're going to see what God can do with a broken and contrite heart. In Psalm 51, 17, David writes... After being confronted with his sin, he writes, A broken spirit in a broken contrite... No, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will never despise. And we see this theme weaved out throughout the Scriptures, that God wants people who know that they are broken and they need him, that a teachable heart is what gets you close to God. Religion can harden our heart to our need for God. But a heart that honors God leans on God's grace and not itself. Religion can be one of the biggest roadblocks you can have to truly know God. And that is what Jesus is going to warn us of today. Verse 9. He also told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. See, we got You should underline that verse. He told this parable about some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He talked to people and they say, I've never missed church. I've been here every Sunday. For 40, 70 years, I have met people. They've been pastors, they've been deacons, they've been elders, and yet they don't know Christ, but they think they are good in themselves. And here's where we meet these two different type of worshipers. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a task collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, idolaters, or even like this task collector. See, self-righteous religion makes us look at each other. Well, I'm not like her, I'm not like him. I'm totally better than that dude in skinny jeans, right? now that's not how we're called to be but this is what self-righteous religion does it makes us play the comparison game but oddly we never compare ourselves to jesus or mother Teresa, right we always want to compare down i fast twice a week i get tithes to of all that i get But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The test collector knew where he stood with God. He knew what other people thought of him. You know that you are pretty low on the religious ladder when the Pharisees have you in a separate category of sin When they slammed Jesus, they said he ate with sinners and tax collectors. Many of us feel like a tax collector in our day. We feel like we don't deserve to be here. But if you have that feeling in your heart, that's a good start. That's where God wants you, because you know you're jacked up. You know you're messy. You know you're broken. And that is where your heart cries out for God. His first sermon on the mount, we get Matthew 5.3. And I, and I love this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. And we see this heart attitude when... Jesus calls a tax collector named Matthew to be his disciple. Matthew throws a big party, right? Who does he invite? He doesn't invite religious folk. That should be a hint, Christians. When was the last time you were invited to anyone's party? Maybe you're not fun to be around. That's not, that should not be the case, we should be the joy bringers, not joy suckers. If you suck the joy out of a room, you need to rethink the Bible. Maybe you missed a couple chapters. Don't be a joy vampire. You ever meet some Christians? You're like, oh God, keep it quiet. I don't want you, I don't want them to know you're on the team, Bob. So be joy-givers, be grace-givers, not gatekeepers like the Pharisees were. So Matthew throws all these, all, all, this huge party, and Jesus goes to it in Matthew 9. And the Pharisees can't believe that a religious, righteous rabbi is breaking bread with sinners and tax collectors. And when Jesus hears them, he tells him, it, it is not the healthy that needs a doctor, it is the sick. I am not come to call the righteous, but the unrighteous to forgiveness. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What was Jesus saying here? And what is he saying here in Luke 18? Outward religion, without a heart change, saves nobody. He wants an inward heart change. The gospel will soften your heart to other people and to your need for the gospel. Think about the men and women that make up God's people from the Old Testament to the New Testament, King David was called a man after God's own heart. David was not just... The story didn't stop when David and Goliath did it. David was messed up. What he did with Bathsheba, how he had... How he wanted someone else's wife. You don't see this on Hallmark, do you? Touched by an angel when covered this episode in David's life. Or Paul. Think about the Apostle Paul. Before he became the Apostle, what was he doing? He was cheering on the people that killed the first martyr, Stephen and Acts and he said later in philippians when it comes to religion i was a rock star he was a hebrew of hebrew he was a pharisee but he gave it all up that he might know christ many of us are there i think about jesus when when he is writing on the sand and the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees bring that woman caught in adultery. And he's writing on the ground. And they want him to approve stoning this woman. And he said, well, he who is without sin casts the first stone. And one by one they walk away. Now, a lot of Theologians have uh, guessed about what Jesus was doing on the sand. When I was in Bible college, one theory was he was writing the names of the men in their sins. Others say he was writing the commandments. Others say Jesus was just doodling. I don't know. For me, I like the doodling better. Like Jesus was so not taken back by self-righteous religion that he wasn't letting them rob their his joy. And he was just making the fish or something. But it doesn't matter. What matters is grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. You and I, no matter what our background is, no matter what our sin history is, we can be made new. Day by day, we can be transformed. We can come here as the people of God, the broken people of God, and love Him truly, and have a relationship with the Father through the Son, by the Spirit. We have a relationship with every member of the Trinity. And He does have good plans for us. But today, I want you to focus on what kind of worshiper am I? Years ago, I was doing a lot of recovery ministry down in Washington, PA. And when I got hired at a church, they knew this, and they asked me this question. Well, Pastor Mike, you did a lot in ministry with people in drug and alcohol recovery. When you, if, we, if we hire you, do you think those type of people will come? And I said, I hope so. I hope so. If you have a problem with that, you don't understand we are those type of people. Everything, all your sins, no matter if we know them or not, you might not battle with drugs, you might not battle alcohol, but you have something in your life that dishonors God. And, and He took care of it on the cross. And I want to end with this. I want to end with this. If you ever doubt that God loves you, I want you to look at the cross. Because it shouts, I love you. It's Jesus saying, I love you. Now, I have some reflection questions for discernment. Are you trusting yourself to save yourself? Or are you trusting God? Are, in this story, are you like the, the Pharisee, I... I, I, I do this. I go to church. I tithe. I read my Bible 40 hours a week. It's even the King James Version. I can't understand half of it, but I read it. I vote a certain way. I dress a certain way. I'm a super Christian. I even watch pure Flex. I even watched God Not Dead, like a hundred times. I think the God Not Dead franchise is all our fast and furious, right? How many, what number are we on now, like five or six? So, I got the bumper stickers, right? Now, I hope you can say you're trusting God. And now, this question is something to really reflect on. Are you a grace giver or are you a gatekeeper? The grace that God has given you through the gospel, we should give to others whom God may bring. I once heard a story that cracks me up. I had a friend come to her church, and she was not into Christianity at this time. She just wanted to hear me talk. And a a gentleman said, you can sit anywhere in the church. So she sat down, and then 10 minutes later, he came over to her and goes, I didn't know you were going to pick my seat. Can you move? He asked her to move. I just want to implore on you, be a grace giver. You never know how God's going to use you to be Christ to someone else. We get to put skin and bones on God. We are His representatives. Jesus uses us to make Him look precious as He is. He, we get to make him real to other people. He does that through us in the church as all. So please, be a grace giver, not a gatekeeper.